Friends, I have a confession to make. I'll tell you what I gave up at Lent. I've been a news junkie all my life, a newsaholic, and I gave up the news for Lent. The best thing I've ever done. There's enough bad news to go around, and it's repeated all the time. And instead, I choose to focus on the good. Isn't it true that we love our movies to end with a bang? We just hate it when the movie kind of ends so abruptly, and it's like, what happened? We love our movies, our novels, our stories. We want them to end with a bang. That's why we call them blockbusters, and we call them hits. And isn't it true we love our Bible stories to end the same way? I mean, we love it when those stories are shared about the Israelites escaping from that mean guy, the Pharaoh, in Egyptian bondage through the watery walls of the Red Sea. Or the large whale coughing up Jonah there on the shores of Nineveh? Or maybe David decking Goliath was a slingshot? I mean, we hear a story like that and we're ready to, you know, open the hymnal, sing the song, hit the road, and go home happy. And you hear a Bible story like that and it thrills you. And you know the best ending of the Bible, of course, is the ending that we gather together today to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Now, every time we read the story from the gospel about the resurrection, it just kind of captivates our imagination, especially if you've had a loss in your family and you realize what this resurrection really means and it grabs hold of your heart. It, it totally reorganizes your consciousness. And that is, we love this story, maybe except for the Gospel of Mark. Now, the fact is, Mark wrote sort of the black sheep of Bible story endings, Disney. And I think, I have to confess, this is one of the few times in all of my ministry that I've ever preached from Mark 16 on Easter Sunday. It just has a unique ending, doesn't it? And probably you have the NIV or one of many different translations that will note the short version of the gospel. And you read here the end of Mark and you wonder, did this writer get some type of writer's block or did he run out of printer ink? And he's at the ending of the resurrection story and it ends like this in the short version, verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, all the other Bible storytellers emphasize the joy, but here is the Gospel of Mark emphasizing fear. And he adds all these heart-pounding, breathless words, trembling, bewildered, they fled or ran, they were afraid. And you're like, what kind of Gospel story ends like that? But you know, it isn't the women's fear that was irrational because it wasn't. It's just a good place to end the story, maybe. I remember another story about this pastor who was working as a 
denominational official over in the great state of Minnesota. And he had many responsibilities, but one of his roles was to officiate all the weddings, all of the funerals that were out in the highways and byways in the rural communities in Minnesota. Many of those places, they didn't have churches. And this denominational official would conduct his weddings and funerals. And oftentimes, they would be two or three hours or so out of town. This one day, he was conducting, officiating a funeral. He was with the funeral director he'd worked with many, many times. And they were out about three hours outside of town. They did the service, and they were on their way back. And he said, you know what? The pastor said, I am so sick. I just feel so bad. I feel like I'm coming down with something. You know, the funeral director invited him to lay down, no joke, in the back of the hearse. I don't think I could have done that. That's a pretty creepy thing, isn't it? But he felt so bad, the good pastor crawled in the back of the hearse and laid down. There was no casket back there. And on the way back, they needed gas. They pulled in at a speedway, and the funeral director gets out to pump the gas, and there's a gas station attendant that's out there refilling the paper towels and cleaning up the trash around the island there where the pumps are. And about that time, the good pastor in the back wakes up. And, of course, the attendant can see a body in there, and it's really freaking him out, but he gets really freaked out when the pastor knocks on the wind and starts waving. They've said, we've never seen anyone run so fast. <laughs> Folks, when people see life where they're expecting death, they start running. And on the third day here, everything changed in their lives. Where everybody thought they were just going to see death, there was life, and it shook things up. And after the third day, as a matter of historical record, the family and friends here, they were absolutely heartsick with this execution of their loved one. And they were set to face grief, and instead they began to spread the glee. It had changed their life and rocked their world because they believed they had seen life where they were expecting death. And i got to tell you, it shakes people up. Mark's gospel tells us here that the three women went to the tomb early on Sunday morning, but their purpose was to anoint the body of Christ with spices. In the Jewish culture there at that time, there was something about the three days where the thought was that's where the soul is separated from the body. And they went to honor the Lord's body by putting spices on there to contain the odor. And no one was expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. And Mark makes a point here in the longer version of the Bible as you read it of telling everybody that no one believed. I mean, would you have believed it? Verses 11, verses 13, verses 14, they would not believe person after person, discounted it. You know, most of us don't come into possessing a vital resurrection faith just because Easter appears on our calendar. I mean, just imagine tomorrow going to your family mausoleum and ducking in and there sat someone dressed in some dazzling white garb. I mean, a minute it would give you a jolt too. 
And the belief of Christ's resurrection, as you know, is the most earth-shaking, the most powerful belief there is. And when you believe in the resurrected Lord here, if this were not something that was so dazzling, it withstands every disappointment, it overcomes every dread, every defeat. The women had peeked past the man that was seated there, this angel, on the stone ledge where the body of Christ had been placed, and it was gone, all except for the linen wrappings that was still there. And why do you suppose there was an angel there on the scene? He wasn't guarding anything. He wasn't attending to the body of Christ. You might say the angel there was a translator. I mean, stop and think about it. If there had not been an angel there, you can only imagine what the women might have concluded. Their imaginations, no doubt, would have run wild. But the angel is a translator. And he says, he is risen, he's not here. The angel tells them, and you know, if you were the angel there, I'm sure you would have got a kick out of that, wouldn't you? Because whenever you are seized by shock, dismayed by defeat, spellbound by those second thoughts that we have in life, you've lost hold of your resurrection belief. Now, you may say today that you believe that Christ rose from the dead, but it's a belief that's merely an idea maybe in your head and not dwelling in your heart. I got to tell you, I'm not here to criticize anybody today if you don't have a powerful resurrection faith. But I am here to tell you that these disciples didn't start off believing in Easter either. They got to the resurrection faith in a gradual manner. Just follow the three women who went to the tomb on Easter morning, and they slowly came to that resurrection faith. And whatever the confusion, they knew one thing. They knew deep down that their world had just changed, that something had just occurred that had never happened before beyond their wildest dreams. Verse 8 says here they were bewildered, and in the Greek language that carries the kind of connotation here of your mind slipping on a banana peel. They were so puzzled. What does it mean that a, a man dead and buried for two nights is suddenly alive? What does it mean that the risen Christ was so strong that neither the cross nor the tombstone could contain him? So important that God sent an angel to announce him, so merciful that the disciples and Peter that have really abandoned him on death row, if you will, now are welcome back to meet him. So knowing that he had predicted it all before it ever began. Don't be alarmed, the angel said. You know, you don't get to resurrection faith by denying the reality of the suffering or the pain or the death of Christ. Resurrection faith isn't built on the denial of the death, but on the reality of the risen. And the two Marys here And Salome, they weren't in denial. They watched Jesus die. They were there until the awful, bitter end. And on Easter morning, they were on their way with the spices in their hands, and there's no denying it. And in fact, in verse 2, very early on, the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they rose to meet the sunrise. And you know what? You and I can do that too. The sun here was coming up. 
They could have rolled over and kept their eyes shut. They could continue to waller in their pain and agony, but instead they rose to meet it. And it wasn't that Mark didn't know the whole story or that he ran out of material. He knew how the other Gospels ended. He'd heard the story of joy. He'd heard the people that were so skeptical and in utter disbelief that even doubting Thomas had to reach out and touch those wounds. He'd heard the story of dozens upon dozens of eyewitnesses and firsthand account, one even a group of 500 seeing him at the same time. And so why didn't he say so? I like how one person commented here on this text. One author said it like this. He said, when is an ending not the end? When a dead man rises from the tomb. And he notes Mark ending is no ending. Only the reader can bring closure. And you must decide how the story will come out. And so I ask you today, how does this story come out for you? They had quivered at the cross, but now they were trembling at the tomb. And at the cross, they shook with anguish. Here at the tomb, they were shuddering with anticipation. They say, Shaking with hope, absolutely. We shake at hope because it makes us vulnerable to pain. And these women had accepted the fact of Jesus' death, and they had found his body in the tomb. They no doubt would have shed tears if they had seen it. But far more startling was the news of the resurrection, and they took off running. A few years ago, I was at a family birthday party, and we were having a ball one Saturday afternoon, all of a sudden the phone rang. And in fact, it didn't just ring once, but it rang several times, and it was different members of my congregation telling me that this wonderful family that everybody loved in the church had just been involved in a head-on collision right out in front of the church. They were getting ready to turn in for an event that we had going on, and, and uh, I believe the one of the occupants in the other vehicle had died at the scene. And so I left the party and I went to be with the family there at the trauma center. And there we sat all night long. There was one of the family members, their daughter, that they didn't think was going to make it. We stayed up all night talking, praying, drinking coffee, walking, trying to make sense of it all. And it was about seven, eight o'clock in the morning that one of the doctors came out and announced the news, she's gonna make it. We could not contain the father. He ran down to the coffee shop, grabbed his wife. They went over to the cafeteria and told all the aunts and uncles, everybody got their phones out as quickly as they could and called the grandparents and all the family members to let them know that we've got good news, she's gonna make it. What is it about the good news? that thrills the heart, soothes the soul, lets us know even in the middle of all the bad news that's going on around us, we can still celebrate in the wonderful hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wonder today, what's the end of the story for you? Do you have that resurrection faith Pray that you have it today. In fact, let's pray now. 
Almighty God, we are overjoyed today as we stop and think about this story and the credible news that you are risen. Certainly, it defies imagination. We can hardly believe it. But Lord, as we receive you into our lives and you bring transformation, you bring answers to prayer, we see the joy that results and the peace that can be had. And Lord, we pray for those here today that need that resurrection faith. We pray to God today that this would be the time that they would receive you as Lord and Savior. May your spirit, Lord, continue to woo them and draw them to that reality of your resurrection. May we firmly trust in you. For we pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.